The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's food editor, and I'll be your host for this mostly Christmas-themed episode. This week, I'll be talking to Gregor about brilliant homemade Edwell gifts to make, and Sarah and Laura talk us through the perfect Christmas Day's drinking. But first, here's digital writer Alex chatting to Japanese supper club host Louis Hara about Nikkei cuisine. Right, so I'm here in the lovely house of Lewis Harris, the London foodie, also here with his lovely little dogs, Truffle and Tofu. They're yes. hopefully going to behave for us. Oh, yes. Um, and also downstairs is uh, the supper club that Louis runs is being prepared so we can hear lots of chopping. Um, but we're going to talk about the ins and outs of running a supper club and also a bit about Nikkei and Japanese cuisine. So, Lewis, first of all, you describe yourself as a true Londoner but mm-hmm. you're an Italian-Japanese Brazilian chef, I which am, is quite yes. the mix. Yes. So can you explain this to us? Sure. So I was born in Brazil um, of Japan, from Japanese and, and, and Italian parents, okay? Um, you know, Brazil is a new ca- country, mm-hmm. so we've got people from all over the world. We've got um, uh, Middle Easterns and a lot of Europeans, and also Brazil has the largest Japanese community outside of Japan is in Brazil. Oh, wow, okay. Yes, so basically you get people from all over the world uh, in Brazil. So it's a bit of a, it's a melting pot, really. Okay. Um, a great place to... Um, you know, to grow up. I was there until I was 19 when I came to England as part of my degree. And I've been here ever since. So I met my partner a year after I arrived uh, in London. That was 25 years ago. So I kind of decided to stay and I made London home. So how do you feel that this um, amazing mix that you have influences your cooking? Greatly, I think, because um, I was, I grew up... um, in basically a Japanese home in in the heart of South America, wow, in Sao Paulo, yeah, very, very much, uh, yes. And um, so, I my parents divorced when I was very young. I actually ended up living with my dad, who is the Japanese side of the family. Okay. He couldn't look after four kids, so basically, we were brought up by my grandmother, my Japanese grandmother. Oh wow! So, um, so she you know, really instilled in me like this kind of love for Japanese cooking, washoku. And uh, that's where I learned how to to cook, you know, and she really encouraged me. It was great. And uh, when I came to England, um, it was 
back in the early 90s, 1992. So I I couldn't, um, you know, Japanese cooking was just so inaccessible. It was just so expensive. Yeah. Some, a few restaurants in Piccadilly, really, really expensive restaurants. So I really had to kind of get to, to get cooking in order to, you know, to eat my what I wanted to eat, you know, Japanese food. Right. So as an aside from, because um, obviously we're going to talk about your Japanese supper club, is there anywhere in London that you'd recommend for us to, to go and eat Japanese food? Yeah, yes, a few places. Um, I love Umu uh, in Mayfair. It's a bit pricey, but it's uh, as, a, as a treat every now and again. It's okay. quite worth it. Um, I really love them. They, they, uh, I think they've got a Michelin star as well. And also there's Sushi Tetsu, which is like uh, a, a small um, kind of counter, sushi counter in Clerkenwell. Uh, very, very popular. It's impossible to get a seat. Oh. So, uh, But it's uh, um, the sushi is just incredible. And uh, there's um, Totomate in Mordor Street in Soho, where they do Japanese and Nikkei cuisine. Okay, so um, you wrote a book about Nikkei cuisine, didn't you? I have, yes. Can you explain that a bit to to our listeners? Because Mm. um, I've tried some of your Nikkei cuisine, it's absolutely exquisite. Oh, thank you so much. I'd like them to learn a little bit more. Sure. So basically my Nikkei book came out um, last year, Mm -hmm. in October last year. And um, so Nikkei cuisine refers to the cooking of Japanese immigrants like myself and my family, who immigrated to places like Brazil, uh, Peru, uh, even Hawaii also. Um, and th- what happened was when they, when that happened, um, uh, on the turn of, uh, the last century, um, so they had to, they found themselves in places like Brazil and South America and, and they're having to, to create Japanese cooking, Japanese dishes using local ingredients. Right. Okay. So the, the Japanese ingredients were not readily available. So they had to, to kind of make do with, with what they found at the time in Brazil or, you know, whatever they found themselves. So that's referred to as Nikkei cuisine. So it's, it's big in places like Brazil and also huge in, in, um, in in Peru, okay. okay? So um, it's it's a style of Japanese cooking, but with a local flavor. So, what kind of ingredients are we talking? Those so, for, like, fresh yeah, sure. So, um, in my um, so I do Japanese and Nikkei cooking, okay? Mm-hmm. So Nikkei South American. Um, I, so I use ingredients like uh, the different. Um, I love the, the Peruvian ajis, you know, the chilies. Oh, yeah. So, aji amarillo, the yellow chili, which is really citrusy and fruity. I love adding aji rocoto, the red chili, which is quite quite spicy. And aji panka, which is kind of smoked, uh, dried. um, So, I use that with miso and I make like a lovely kind of like marinated sirloin steak with uh, miso and aji panka which I leave marinated for 24 hours and then I just pan fry it. It's oh, really amazing. delicious. Also love using, for instance, the ahi uh, amarillo with, in, a, in, a, in a tiger's milk or dressing. Oh, of, yes. um, with, like a ceviche? It's like a ceviche. So uh, tiger's milk is the marinade that we use to marinate ceviche. Okay. okay? But it's also used for tiradito. And tiradito um, is basically is a Japanese style, uh, is a Peruvian style um sashimi okay so what they do they lightly marinate the fish they slices the thin slice of fish in um 
in a um, in a tiger's milk, okay, or leche de tigre, okay. So I love doing using the aji amarillo with uh, with passion fruit and garlic and um, and chervil to make a lovely kind of citrusy um, tiger's milk. That sounds incredible. <laughs> and I, and yes, thank you so much. And I use that with a for a salmon a salmon tiradito okay. uh, thing uh, sashimi grated salmon thing thing is sliced with a passion fruit and ahi mario leche de tigre so that's nikkei that's very much a nikkei dish um, yes. and so your supper club is focused on the washoku washoku is that yes, right washoku so yes washoku is refers to japanese cooking that was mm-hmm. created in japan okay so is there what, any specific yeah. techniques that you use yeah so basically well it's interesting because when i lived in japan to realize that uh, japan was was isolated from the outside world for 300 years okay was only during the major restoration that Japan open up to uh, to the outside world, which is basically in the 19th uh, hundred, um, hundreds, uh, 19th century, apologies. And um, so, and it was interesting to realize how even in, in, in cooking, how they developed different recipes. At the end, we all get to the same kind of place, yeah. you know, <laughs> we want everything done in, in, in a particular way. But, you know, we do things quite differently. Yeah. So basically, for instance, um, Oh yeah, the, even like the, the coconut utensils, the pots and pans are different, different, d- differently shaped, and um, the way we cut vegetables, for instance, uh, the, the, the way we present things are different. So, how would you cut your vegetables? Okay, so different ways. Like, for, for instance, uh, there is um, we call it rangiri, which is like uh, the way we cut um, the the vegetables um, that are always in an irregular shape. They're not like okay, either yeah. brunoise, mm-hmm. that we say in French, which is like cubed, or we don't do things like... Um, um, Mandolin. Yes, exactly. Or julienne. It's, it's, it's slightly different. So it's just cutting of vegetables, um, the way we, we marinate things are... It's slightly different. We use completely different ingredients. I mean, it's a completely different cuisine. And what's your favourite dish, the washoku dish to cut? Oh, there's so many, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh my gosh, yes. I quite like, um, I'm quite like, I like a lot of meat dishes. Right. So there's one particular dish I love. It's called buta no kakuni, which is um, pork, uh, pork belly. Oh, I love Which is uh, cooked in brown rice okay so you make it, it takes two days to prepare so basically you cook it in brown rice in a very low oven for about six to eight hours okay so the rice kind of cooks and kind of turns into a cake that kind of covers the the, the pork so the pork cooks within this rice cake okay in a pot and it steams into it kind of gets steamed up wow and then you, you you remove from the oven, and then you take away the rice, and it's the, the the pork is kind of disintegrated. And so you wrap it up in cling film and put it in the fridge for twenty four hours, okay. And then you take it out of the fridge again, and you cut in in in, in squares, and you cook that again in in dashi, which is um, um, Japanese stock, soy sauce, brown sugar, ginger, and spring onions. And um, and sweetened sake as well. So you cook wow. that for another hour, hour and a half, and it's, you know the the sausage is so f- flavorsome, and the yeah. meat takes in all those lovely flavors. It's a wonderful dish. Right. That dish was um, brought in uh, to Japan uh, by the Chinese uh, to Nagasaki, uh, to Kyushu Island, 
And um, that's where, um, yeah, it was kind of like reinterpreted by the Japanese. It's one of my favorite dishes. Yeah, well, it sounds yeah. amazing. I think I'll be coming to your sub club. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. That does sound good, doesn't it? And you can book on Toulouse's Supper Club by searching for thelondonfoodie.com online. Now, you could give your usual chutney for a gift to friends this year, or you could try one of the great ideas in the new Christmas issue, like infused gin or hot chilli sauce. I'm going to tell Gregor how to make it happen. So our Christmas issue, our lovely shiny, strokeable Christmas issue is out this week, and Gregor's here with me today. Hi, Gregor. Hello, Janine. And we are going to be talking about one of the features um, in, in this issue, which is um, edible gifts. Yes. Because um, obviously, it's not just the fact that you are going to save a lot of money by giving someone edible gift, but you're also giving them the gift of your love through yes. your, through your yes. cooking, basically. It's the kind of present that shows the most love. Yeah, exactly. You made yourself. <laughs> and it's, all, and it's a, an impressive one as well. Yeah. Um, so it's it's called present incorrect this one yeah and uh, so it's lots of lots of nice recipes that you can make to give people mm-hmm. I've I have done the whole giving people food gifts in the past so you've you've got you've rolled your sleeves up got in the kitchen and made jars and jars of of jam yes of of, of um, <laughs> piccalilli oh nice and, all, and also it was I think uh, it was pickled uh, pick it was it was um, Red onion jam. Oh, red onion sort of jam. With, That's it, nice. with a bit of chili. Yeah. In it, and it, it was it was that wasn't quite so such a success. Right. People were still pleased to get it. What was what was the downfall? That I in, in order to make the almost industrial quantities of it that I, <laughs> I attempted to do, I, I went. So there was a like a budget shop in in my area, and I went and bought lots of. <laughs> Really cheap balsamic vinegar. Oh, and it, and it, and it See, tasted. That's what that was your first mistake. That was my first mistake, <laughs> and, it, and it tasted of cheap balsamic vinegar. That's what it tasted. Overpoweringly, like. yeah, overpoweringly. So mm. some people liked it anyway, but um, I didn't even myself. So. <laughs> But I still gave it away. <laughs> I still gave it away. <laughs> you were like, just spend the money on the labels, get it out I, there. I had no choice by yeah. that point. I'd spent all my Christmas budget. <laughs> it was already scraping the bottom of the barrel, otherwise I probably wouldn't have done that. But <laughs> there you go. Um, but however, Piccalilli, I've, I've done, I did two years. Yeah. The first year I did it, um, if I say so myself, that was good Piccalilli. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on the strength of that, I made it again, but it wasn't quite quite up to the same Didn't standard. Quite. The problem is, I think that I, what I did was the first time I combined two recipes. Right. Right. And uh, and you also know, you just, know we've got a really good recipe. For we do. I think it, I think it was it predated that. Oh, okay. Um, and so and I'd combined two different recipes, and the combination. Yeah. Worked incredibly well, but I'd forgotten exactly what that combination was when it came when <laughs> it, it came the round mag- the second yeah. time. The alchemy so was the, not there. Yeah, the magic had gone. <laughs> so it was still all right, but it wasn't quite as it pow. It had real welly, you know. And did you get people saying, "Oh, that piccadilly was made. Oh my god, yeah. we've got it again!" And then yeah. the slight disappointment. Well, no, I, I think they, I think everyone still ate it because it was still good, but it yeah. just it wasn't it wasn't didn't quite have the, the the oomph that it had the first See, time. See, pickles are nice, what it, it, and it's unusual as well, isn't it? Because yeah. people think, oh, yeah, jam or... Yeah. I mean, one of the things we did this year was um, Katie, who wrote the recipes for us, she suggested doing a homemade sriracha sauce, and obviously yeah. that's really quite trendy at the minute. Yeah, um, popular. Yeah. And, and weirdly, the um, it, it's not difficult to make, but you do have to, like, leave it to kind of 
ferment and get a little bit funky because that's yeah. what gives you the, that kind of extra level of yeah. so you know it's basically like red chilies peppers garlic um vinegar and a bit of a tiny bit of fish sauce yeah and then you kind of um whiz that all together in a in a blender mm -hmm. and then put it in a bowl and you have to leave it for a couple of days till it starts bubbling which is a little bit scary but not you know, nothing will happen because you then put it in a pan and yeah. boil it yeah. and but it's the the fermentation that gives it that extra kind of layer of flavor layer of flavor yeah, yeah. um i think probably asian ones will probably fermented a lot more and it'll be more controlled but yeah, yeah it's sort of um but we just thought that was just a really nice idea you know so you're doing the same thing but you're just giving people something a little bit different exactly, and it was very yeah. successful i have to say the first batch she made for us mm -hmm. um was sort of nuclear hot so we right. we, we tamed it down yeah. a bit by adding a few red peppers to it as well i've got that thing going on as well i mean in, in a bottle that i got yeah. at home yeah um because stradaccia sauce delicious as yeah. we all know and and i was trying to i didn't couldn't find any of the normal brands i was looking around right and i, and I saw one and i thought <laughs> oh I'll just buy that and i did and, it, and it's, <laughs> it's unbelievably hot i like hot things but it's not, it's just, and I, and I have to use it, but I use yeah. it, it's just not, you need one that you can slather yeah. on, but it doesn't really. I was going to say, oh, there's some days where you just look in the cupboard and go, yeah. I can't face you today, mate. Yeah, it's exactly not a day that, for you. Exactly. It's not your day today. <laughs> no, no. But it's the flavour, isn't it, as well as yeah. the heat of sriracha sauce that you really want. It's got that and, depth of flavour, this yeah. one that we've made this time, it yeah. actually has it, doesn't it? It's yeah. really good. And another thing we did... Um, is we, we we love the idea of making your own sweets, like your own caramels. And mm. it's actually, again, it's quite easy. Yeah. And it's quite easy to make them in big batches as well, because I think yeah. you get about 70 caramels out of each batch. But um, another idea from Casey was that we'd um, add miso, sweet yeah. miso to it. And um, it's a beautiful recipe. It just gives you an incredible kind of umami-ness. It really um, is lovely. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like the reverse of what what, what goes on with uh, with other things at the moment where you add salt to sweet things yeah. or something savoury to sweet things yeah. to give it an edge. This way you're adding something savoury almost to, yeah. a, to a sweet thing. That's right. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and it's, or rather the other way around, you're adding, yeah. And so it's it kind, absolutely of, kind lovely. of tricks yeah. your brain slightly. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it was really, it's, it's like at first you think, oh, and then, and then almost immediately afterwards, you think, oh, you know, with the, <laughs> with the, with the sweet miso caramels. Yeah, but absolutely I think, lovely. I think those... The nice yeah. thing about them is we've sort of given, we haven't gone too mad on the packaging with no. things either because we, we realise that, um, you know, people have to go out there and, and buy them. So we've kind of done things like um, cellophane bags and kilner jars and bottles with clip-on tops, which you can now just kind of, I mean, we just went to a little party shop and yeah. we went to, um, I think you can get them in Amazon yeah. or um, in Wilco's, you know, but various little sort of supermarkety type places yeah. are all starting to sell this quite kind of low level packaging. Yeah. So it's not expensive at all. No, you get it everywhere. And it, and it really finishes it off as well, because I think that's a nice thing is, you know, if you if you actually think ahead, mm -hmm. so you're not like scrubbing every jar in, you're, you're not like yeah. hoying every jar out of your fridge and scrubbing yeah. it clean in all order to empty, get your chutney in there. All the empty jam jars <laughs> yeah. that you've had, yeah, because I the Branston that was, pickle top. You that, know? Was, that was that was that was happened with one of one of my food gifts. I, yeah. I, I, I've like exhausted every single empty. Mm. Was eating stuff out of jars just to get extra <laughs> extra ones to give away, and um, but you know, I, I managed it in the end. Um, but uh, actually, it reminds me, my mum sends me a little box of sweets every year that she makes oh, at what home. Does she make? Well, she, she, she makes like truffles, and but my favourite is yeah. the simplest one of all, which is just um, 
dates that she selects and stuffs with marzipan and puts Ooh. ice and sugar. Oh, yeah, because they would because dates are long life anyway, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, Oh, they're so good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I look forward tablet? to that every year. She does make tablet. Yeah. Tablet's brilliant. Tablet's um, just sugar, isn't it? I mean, I know everything's sugar, just sugar, but... Sugar tab- and butter. <laughs> All the, yeah, yeah. all the food groups all the food groups represented yeah. right if, there. The, if she put an oat in the set in the center perhaps <laughs> as, as, a, as a special treat it would it would cover all of the scottish food groups but there you go but yeah, yeah. i mean because we were talking about um we obviously all like the spicy stuff and i yeah. think um some of our most popular recipes online which would work for this mm. uh we've got a all the trendy jams. We've got like a chorizo jam mm. and we've got a bacon jam recipe online as well. Yes. And they would all, I mean, again, it's what it's it's that thing of, it might take you an afternoon of chopping and stirring, yeah. but then once they're all in the jars, it's, it's, it's like one job and they're all done. It is, yeah. And people are always genuinely pleased to get yeah. these things. Especially know. since like a jar of chorizo jam at a, at mm. a trendy market like you get in London. Yeah, it yeah. It costs you like five <laughs> or six quid. It's true, yeah, though. It means you can you can send it to your relatives because you won't be able to afford a train ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're sending it through the post, do pack pack it responsibly. Yeah, yeah pack it responsibly. Wrapped yeah. heftily, yes. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I learned this year, because mm-hmm. um, we've done it twice now, is is about making your own um, infused booze. Now, right. everybody knows about slow gin. Yes. But um, Sarah, our drinks writer, is quite into kind of infusing spirits. Um, mm. The gin that we've got in here, it's got really Christmassy flavours. So what you do is you just get um, a bottle of gin and you add um, clementine zest and a little bit of sugar, some ginger and bay leaves, and then just literally... Um, just leave it to infuse into yeah. your bottle, and you can kind of leave it as long as you want, basically. And the, yeah. and that gives you quite a subtle flavour. And in the summer, I also did a um, a blackberry vodka. Mm-hmm. Again, you just add blackberries and sugar to a bottle of ready-made vodka because obviously it's illegal to distill your own spirit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kids, yeah. don't do it. No, no, it's <laughs> so bad. Can you buy distillery things now? I don't no, think you can. No, can you? Can't, oh, no, no, you can't. I mean, well, you could. You, you kind of could. You but could you, make but, your, but, yeah. but you could make your own. You could, you could cobble one together. But it might cause an explosion. I'm not sure it would yeah. be worth it, would it? It wouldn't really, yeah. no. Um, and that was great. But, like, one thing I, I found out from Sarah is um, this is not a way to get really, really cheap like hooky booze to taste <laughs> good. To taste good. No. So she said to me, um, I, I said, what what should I start with? You know, should I just go and get that, you know, the cheap white spirit? Yeah. yeah. Well, not white spirit, no, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got, come on, we yeah, have no. some standards. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I was just thinking, do I just get the bogus standard vodka ever? And she was like, no, because essentially, even if you add the flavoring to it, mm. it's gonna, it, it'll still come through, like the base spirit flavor yeah. will still come through yeah. and the quality will still come through. Yeah. But that's not to say you have to go and buy the best gin possible. Like no. say, you know, a good a good supermarket gin, just look online because they're mm. always rated by drinks writers. Yes. Um, a good standard supermarket gin of vodka is fine or mm-hmm. a good, um, you know, Christmas, everything's always on special offer yeah. for big bottles of gin yeah. and vodka. Start with that, but start with a, a decent label, something yeah. you know about, um, yeah. and then add your flavourings to it. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of, it's quite cute because we've done it in a little 350 half bottle. Nice. <laughs> um, and it looks really nice. So like at one bottle, you can get two yeah. gifts as well. Yeah. Um, 
And that just makes it really interesting because then you can kind of tweak it to your taste as well and make it a little bit sweeter or less. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, making your own gin was a thing that we, that we, that was done a, a few years ago, quite popular. Yeah. Or, but the, and oh, you, you mean did, adding the botanicals to yeah, it? So, yeah. So you could do that with uh, yeah. high proof vodka. Yeah. And, and adding your own botanicals. But this is so this is flavoured gin. Yeah. So you've already got the nice botanicals. Yeah, and in you're it, just adding something complimentary to it. Yeah, adding something complimentary yeah. and tweaking it, which I think is a really lovely idea. Yeah. Well, we've got <clears throat> there's so many ideas in here, and we've actually got online as well um a lovely collection of um Christmas edible gifts. So if you just search for Christmas edible gifts on olivemagazine.com, there'll be something there for you to make and give. And spread the joy this Christmas. An embarrassment of gifts. Yeah, an embarrassment of gifts. (laughs) Thank you very much for that, Gregor. Okay, thank you, Janine. Thank you. We all know about time plans for Christmas dinner, but what about one for Christmas drinking? Drinks writer Sarah takes Laura from breakfast to bedtime with the perfect tipple for every stage of the big day. So hello, uh, this is Laura here, and I'm uh, joined by the lovely Sarah, our drinks writer. Um, now, Sarah, we have been going through our brilliant Christmas issue, yeah. which we've been flogging to you, dear readers and listeners, I'm afraid. Um, but it is so special and it so is. useful. because beautiful. Yeah, it's just really, I don't know about anyone else, but you see lots of kind of promo for Christmas back in mm-hmm. September and October. But now, yeah. now I'm keen. Now and I want to plan everything. We get bombarded with Christmas stuff in like June, July. I know. And I'm still excited. So excited. And, you know, now is the times when on my weekends I'm starting to kind of put together my yeah. menus yeah. And, and think about what I'm going to do. But I think for a lot of people, they the drink for the big day is kind of an afterthought. And like, oh, yeah. just need to get some wine or whatever. Yeah, and they pick up whatever, whatever's kind of on offer. Exactly. And don't really think about it. They certainly don't give it as much consideration as everything else, which is a shame because it's actually a, a big exactly. proportion of the day. It is. It's an, well, for some. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> for me. Definitely in our house. I mean, we start, we get the champagne out about, well, when we wake up for yeah. breakfast so about do we. nine o'clock. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a Bloody Mary girl. So that's oh, the really? first thing I have. And I'm in charge of that in our family you got a special recipe yes which I'm not sharing but (laughs) (laughs) but um Sarah has been sharing a lot and uh for the first time ever we've done what I think is a really useful feature uh on drinks in the issue it's it's a Christmas drinks timeline so it's to guide you through the drinks you need throughout the day um to make sure you're not kind of doing anything last minute you can prepare everything know what you're going to do exactly Um, it just gets people kind of thinking about it because you think Oh, we'll have champagne for breakfast or whatever, yeah. Bloody Mary's for breakfast. Yeah. And then we'll have this with dinner, yeah. with lunch. But you kind of forget the in-betweeny. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to serve people when they arrive? What are we going to serve after dinner? What are we going to have as a nightcap? Yeah. And it so, doesn't. it's not a complicated thing. It's no, just making sure you get organised yeah. and and have, you know, really nice, nice alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks as well. Um, so, so talk us through it. What should we be having <laughs> first thing? So... What we've said to start your morning with is, obviously, we champagne is kind of the obvious yeah. thing. And a Bucks Fizz, for a lot of people, is what they go to. A nice, gentle introduction. Exactly. And I've given it a little bit of a kind of Italian twist. Okay. Spritz was massive this year, and everyone yeah. was drinking Aperol. Yeah. It was kind of the drink of the summer. And it really was, yeah. <laughs> when we were kind of thinking about Christmas back in August, September, yeah. I think, I don't really want to let go of that. So mm. we've got a recipe for an Aperol mimosa. Okay. It's just a little Italian twist. You get the bitterness from the Aperol coming through. Yeah. It's exactly the same as a normal Marisa, but with just a kind of dash of, of that bitterness. Yeah. Gives it a really beautiful kind of um, 
deeper orange Yeah, it looks colour. really good in the glass. Really, really good. Yeah. And it's yes. just, again, something slightly different, a, a nice talking point yeah. in the morning rather than just, you know... Exactly. Just a standard. really simple twist. And, you, you know, you could serve that as an aperitif when your guests arrive. Yeah, definitely. As well. As and a good way to use up any afro that you've got left over from the summer. Yeah, because yeah, once the kind of weather turns, you don't want to be drinking exactly. big spritz, but no. you might have some left over. Cool. Um, so and you can use you champagne, with. prosecco or any or sparkling Carver. wine that you have. Yeah. So you don't have to go kind of all out for that one. You could, no. You could get your bargain sparkler for that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then, so in our family, it's a bit of a tradition. You get up, you have breakfast, you have champagne. Then people want a tea before you do yeah. presents. I mean, that's that's a proper tradition in everyone's household, <laughs> yeah. I think, surely. And it's, I'm always like, come on, we can just skip the tea and get to the presents. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's something that has to be done. Um, but I thought Christmas is all about kind of luxury mm-hmm. things and like spending a bit more on things than you would. Yeah, Having special. really lovely, yeah, special mm. things. Um, and so why reach the same old kind of pyramid bag that yeah. you're using every day? This is a time to kind of splash out, have a loose leaf, yeah. try to think a bit different. Make a big teapot. Yeah. yeah. Something really nice. Exactly. So we've got actually one from the Rare Tea Company mm-hmm. in the issue, which is, it's an English breakfast blend, okay. but it's kind of a single estate um, tea. Okay. Um, it's really, really special. It comes from um, Malawi. Okay. And it's quite um, rich and malty and a little bit kind of chocolatey, which kind nice. of fits with all the advent chocolate you're <laughs> yeah. scoffing as well. <laughs> good for my post-Christmas morning walk. We always walk our dog, yeah. dogs for a long walk around. Um, we live in the Cotswolds, my family, so we go for a big walk around the lakes. And then Amazing. I think a good, a good brew good afterwards yeah. is going to really help. But, I mean, tea Get prepared is... for the lunch making. <laughs> exactly. But tea is, is kind of getting a lot more attention now. I mean, mm. coffee's kind of had its thing we're now on fourth wave coffee or something yeah. <laughs> um but tea is now being given as much attention and there are so many tea bars now mm. and loosely varieties that you can get and it's worth kind of having a look around or going to a specialist tea shop and trying some and finding something that you actually really like really love yeah i mean even if it's just if it is just an english breakfast tea yeah there are so many different varieties of english breakfast tea 100 so. and actually that's a really nice thing to have for the whole Christmas period when you're yeah. having lots of guests come over all the time yeah. you know have a nice cup of tea to, to give to them when they come around exactly you know. and it also makes a really lovely present mm, beautiful well. tins exactly so, yeah so much nicer cool okay um, and then more booze back onto the booze back onto the okay, booze okay so aperitif. pre-lunch aperitif what are we thinking um, so again you could use the Aperol Mimosa would work again in okay. this spot yeah or again the Gronies um, were massive or have been massive for quite a while. I'm such a big fan of Negroni. <laughs> it's too. so grown up and yeah. smooth and sophisticated. And it's just the bitterness that yeah. I love. And I think it's a really good preamble into lunch as well. Like it's, exactly. yeah, it's a really good drink. Exactly. But a lot of people find it too much. I love yeah. bitterness. A lot yeah. of people find it quite jarring. Yeah. Um, so instead, I've gone for a Negroni Spagliato. Okay. I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> Sounds right. Just <laughs> Sounds say it right. quickly. Yeah. It's fine. Um, but basically, you take out the gin. Right. Which a lot of people will be upset about. <laughs> yeah. Know, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, but put Prosecco in right. instead. So it makes it a bit lighter. So it makes it much lighter. Longer. So you still get the bitterness. You still get all the aromatics from the vermouth and the Campari. Yeah. But it makes it that bit lighter. Okay, cool. Um, really nice. Yeah. It's really good. Or, you know, if you've got... Um, Guests coming who don't drink, or yeah. kids, or designated drivers, or whatever yeah. it is, because they get so overlooked. 
at Christmas. Yeah, it's just boring, isn't it, to have it is. as much fun of a Diet Coke that I am, <laughs> and I really am, to have just, you know, Coke and lemonade or, you know, a push out of flour, press yeah. a. It's a bit, it gets it's a bit tired, yeah. Exactly. So I've uh, done a little really, really simple recipe for a non-alcoholic cocktail, um, which is orange and rosemary fizz. These kind of flavours go really well together, and it's just a case of muddling a bit of orange in the bottom of glasses, some rosemary, yeah. filling it with ice, topping it with soda. So those who aren't yes. drinking feel just as special and have just as delicious a yeah. drink as those who are drinking. Exactly, and you can kind of like um, jazz it up with some like fresh rosemary spits mm-hmm. or some cinnamon sticks or pomegranate seeds yeah. or whatever you yeah. might like. But also, I mean, we spoke on the podcast, I can't remember which episode it was, a while ago about mm. non-alcoholic alternatives. Yes, yeah. And there are some great ones out there, so have a little listen back. Um, things like seed lip, which is kind of like a distilled liquid but it's not alcoholic yes it tastes really grown up and sophisticated and it's not kind of sweet and fizzy um it's yeah it's got those botanicals in and yeah it's a really great alternative yeah definitely if you i mean you're gonna have some probably have some time over your uh time on your hands over the christmas period anyway so for any of you who want to have a listen back to our podcast just search for them on itunes or raycast and we've got all of them listed there we've got over 30 to listen through and and the non-alcoholic drinks one's a really good one for this time of year just to kind of get something slightly different yeah definitely really good shout okay um and then it's the main event Woohoo! dinner. Yeah. Um, which we've got a separate feature in the mag for because it's so so special, it's such a big deal. Yeah. We thought we want to dedicate some more space to it. Yeah. Um, so we've got a whole section um, for wine, beer, and cider pairing. Yeah, so this is again slightly unusual. I don't yeah. think you'll find this in many magazines over the Christmas period. So another reason to buy all over mm-hmm. over Christmas. Um, we just thought again, people don't necessarily want. You find you might go and buy a sh- buy a champagne, but actually that doesn't pair well with everything you're eating. Yeah. It's quite hard. Mm-hmm. So we've found some great wines and some great beers and ciders, so that everybody in the family, no matter what your preference, will yeah. kind of be catered for over the Christmas not, period. Not everyone likes wine. I mean, we've no. all got that that one family member who will only drink beer. Yeah, and you don't want to be giving them the same old lager or yeah. pilsner that they drink every other day. Yeah, you want to think a bit more special, and that will actually pair well with what they're eating. Yeah. And sometimes, actually, wine isn't even the best pairing for something. No. The, 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 some of the bottles we suggested are better yeah. than wine anyway. Yeah. So definitely worth investigating those. So give us a couple of highlights from that feature. Um, so our food director, Janine, actually went down to Cornwall um, over the summer mm-hmm. and discovered this um, beer from St. Austell Brewery called Menadou Stout. Oh, I do um, love stout, yeah. Me too. And she came back and was absolutely raving about it. Um, and I tasted it. I was like, "This is incredible." So we've put that into pair with your, kind of your pudding or your cheese. Okay, because um, that's got lovely. So in the future, we talk about having smoked oak, coffee, yeah. chocolate, and a hint of licorice. Yeah. So that's going to go really well with your Christmas pudding. Yeah, because it's it's got that kind of sweet edge, but the yeah. licorice gives it a bit more. It's not over. It's not sickly sweet. Yeah. Um, that's a really nice one. One of my favourite breweries is the Wild Beer Co. Yeah. Um, and I've, they use only kind of wild yeast. They're incredible, the stuff that they're doing. They have such a good variety of beer. For they anyone really that says do. they don't like beer, you need to check yeah. out what these guys do, and there'll be a beer that you'll like. They Definitely. just have... And some really weird stuff as well, yeah. and they're, like, ageing in uh, red wine barrels mm. and whiskey barrels. It's, yeah, and they did really a sourdough beer as well, didn't yeah. they? Which was That's so really good. good. Um, yeah, big and fan that, of theirs. That would actually pair really well with the smoked salmon. Yeah. I've got um, their Epic Saison okay. in here. Um, which is a wheat beer, but it's so it's Belgian style, but it's made with American hops. Okay. 
So it's a bit um, hoppier. Yeah. It's got that kind of bitter, more bitter edge than your average yeah. wheat beer, um, which will work really well with the kind of smoked salmon. It will cut through the kind yeah. of oiliness and the, the heavy oak. Yeah. So if you don't want to use a sparkling wine for that, yeah. um, that would be really great. And the, all of the bottles that we've chosen as well are actually really pretty bottles. So they yeah. look nice on the table. Yeah, handing them over, you know, the you're not handing them over a tinny of your generic supermarket <laughs> lager or whatever. Not no. that you, you know, some people do like that, but yeah, this but these look nice to present as well. Special, yeah, yeah. 100%. And also, um, one that's not in the feature, but on our podcast last week, yeah. I went down to Meantime and spoke yeah. to Big Al. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> such mean, a legend. Yeah, everybody who listened to last week's podcast, please tweet us what you think because I yeah. know I fell in love with Big Al. He, <laughs> he needs to get his own podcast. He Too does, sweet. Yeah, he is. yeah. He does. Um, but we did a lot. Uh, we spoke a lot about. Um, food pairing with the Porsche granite, which is the beer that we've made with them. Yeah. And it will kind of go with pretty much anything. It's kind of one of those all-round yeah. wonder beers. That'd be really good with Christmas pudding and mince pies yeah, and chocolate incredible. pudding. And, yeah. Delicious. I reckon that'd be good with blue cheese as well, you know. Yeah. I'm putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we think we should try it. Yeah. I'm happy all to be... Research, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to research <laughs> that with you. Fantastic. Um, and as a reminder, definitely listen back to the interview that Sarah did about that because we, you got so much extra information yeah. about beer and food matching. But um, you can get that on their Meantime's website. Yeah, meantimebrewing.com. And you can find out more on our website as well at olivemagazine.com yes. too. Okay. Yeah. And in Meantime pubs if you're going out and about for your yeah. Christmas jaunts uh <laughs> this december cool okay and then after dinner a bit of respite yes a lot of people have sherry i've just put a little reminder in there for people we spoke about sherry and vermouths on the podcast a while ago yeah but they are wines they will oxidize they will go off yeah don't bring out the dusty old bottle that's been sat in from the back of the cupboard year. from last year it no. will be disgusting yeah get a fresh bottle keep it in the fridge use it within a month yeah and there's you know you can drink it I'm sure there's cocktails yeah. you can put in it. I'm yeah. sure on olivemagazine.com we've got cocktails using those <laughs> yeah. ingredients. Um, or put it in cooking. Again, I'm sure we've yeah. got recipes on olivemagazine.com. I like to add a splash to Bloody Mary's. Do you? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sarah's, I've been subbing Sarah's cocktail <laughs> recipe for January and she's got an incredible Bloody Mary recipe. So make sure yeah. you look out for our January issue too. Um, yeah, I mean, I use sherry in all sorts of cooking, yeah. like splashing it in with uh, chicken stews and oh, I put yeah. port in spag bowls sometimes Ooh. if I've got a bit left over Sounds just to good. kind of enrich yeah. it and things. Um, so use it like you would a wine, exactly. but just be aware that it's slightly more intense yeah. and rich in flavour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, never let it go off because that would be no, completely It's based. a crime. It is a crime. it's not cheap either. No, exactly. Especially yeah. if you've taken the time to choose a decent one, you know. Exactly. So okay. Actually drink it. Yeah. And then how do you feel about whiskey? I've, I'm coming around to it this yeah. year. I know we've both had our kind of epiphany mm. with whiskey. Yeah. So I'm going to seriously name drop now, Sarah, because <laughs> this year I had the best whiskey experience oh, of my life. We're fed up of hearing about it. We're so jealous. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I met David Beckham. Oh. Yeah, so in the feature, um, we mention a, a new whiskey that's come out this year. So yeah. for those of you that don't know, um, David Beckham has been working with a brand called Hague Club, and yeah. they had a, a whiskey out last year mm-hmm. or a couple of years ago. Um, it had mixed reviews, yeah. um, and it kind of didn't necessarily go down well with the kind of traditionalists. Yeah, because it's a, it's a grain whiskey yeah. rather than a malt whiskey, yeah. so it's a lot lighter. Yeah. It's a different style. We're seeing a lot more of that kind of style now, but... Like you say, the traditionalists are kind of like, Bit up what arms. is this? Yeah. We can't go anywhere near this. But you know what? I'm not not a, not a fan of kind of thinking that you can't change things. Everything's yeah. about evolution. Mm-hmm. And 
they've got a new um, whiskey out now, which David Beckham was kindly showing me how to drink <laughs> it, um, called Hague Club Clubman. So this is, yeah, the, the newest brand. It's in a beautiful bottle if you're still yeah, looking for really, a gift, really actually, beautiful. as well. Yeah, it's kind of this blue sexy blue bottle the copper top yeah yeah it's, it's really elegant mm. and a, a really good gift but it was just so delicious so it's kind of um vanilla toffee yeah. coconut notes it kind of had reminded me more of a rum than a whiskey yeah. um and i really really liked that and david beckham did you <laughs> david beckham just making Wait, sure everybody you, heard, david david i met david beckham oh my gosh yeah david beckham suggested um with the hate club <laughs> <laughs> chaps that you should uh, have it as, as a long drink yeah you know you don't you can obviously have it just with ice or ice and a little bit of water if that's yeah. what you you know like drinking mm-hmm. your whiskey but they suggest putting in coke and a squeeze of lime yeah and actually, ginger ale yeah and um, yeah like we tried it with that really too popular again now yeah and um it tasted kind of like uh yeah cream sodery type flavors yeah. and that was just really enjoyable and i could have had loads with david beckham um <laughs> I met David Beckham. I'm just, yeah. Oh my gosh. David Beckham. I yeah. didn't know that. Okay, good. Um, I'll move on now. But anyway, back to the point <laughs> yeah, in it's hand. it's just a light, really easy sipping. If you're not used to whiskey, yeah. it's a really good one to kind of introduce yeah. you to the category. Yeah. Or if you've got an, like an uncle or a grandparent who loves, loves, loves whiskey, yeah. this is an interesting bottle yeah. to show them and everyone will taste it and everyone will probably like it and yeah. have an opinion about yeah. it so it's a good kind of and talking point exactly and there'll be a, there'll be a way to serve it yeah. for each of those people exactly which is great and it looks beautiful um so yeah big fan of that one yeah so try try that for sure yeah and then to kind of round off the, the evening when we're all kind of snoozing in our armchairs yeah slightly weary from turkey and sprouts yeah. and whatnot what else could you want than a homemade Irish cream, hot chocolate. Yeah, I mean, nothing, frankly. That's all I want. Okay, so this is so cool. Homemade yeah. Irish cream. So Bailey's is what everyone probably goes to and you can yeah. get kind of cheaper supermarket alternatives, which can, can be good yeah. um, if you search easy. around. Yeah. Uh, but how cool is it to make your you own? Make your own. And you can give this as a gift as well, yeah. which I like too. Yeah, put it in a lovely little bottle. Yeah. A handmade label, be beautiful. Yeah, really good idea. And it's really, really simple to make yeah funnily enough yeah yeah, you'd think it'd be really complicated but it's only five ingredients whiz up in a blender job done yeah and I know this probably sounds like a real uh, a real silly thing to say but I don't think necessarily everybody who drinks Baileys realises that this is whiskey based either well hmm not sure I don't know if it is anymore. I'll yeah. have to check that. I don't know if Bailey's is, but it's based, the it's, traditional yeah, Irish cream is, is basically whiskey and cream and other yeah. bits and bobs, which you'll see in our recipe. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, so this is... So for those who say you don't like whiskey, if you drink Bailey's, yeah, you like whiskey. <laughs> and homemade, you can make it a bit punchier. Yeah. So the flavour of the whiskey comes through a bit more, yeah. which I really like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can kind of make it as sweet as you want yeah. it, you can add more vanilla, you can add more condensed cream, mm. or you can make it more chocolatey, or you can make it more of a coffee kind of flavour. Yeah. And you, you can adjust it to however you want yeah. it, which is a really nice thing about making it yourself. Great way to use up any whiskey that you've got, again, in the cupboard. Yeah, if, definitely. If you perhaps were bought a bottle and drinking it straight like that isn't for you, yeah. great way to use it up. And actually, I think the Hay Club Clubman would go so well mm-hmm. because of all those delicious vanilla and toffee yeah. notes. I think it would work really well with the... Irish cream yeah. too. And then if you make that, we've got loads of recipes using Baileys, oh, so which many. you could use this homemade cream for. So again, yeah. if you don't, for a miraculous reason, drink <laughs> all of it, 
there's like Bailey's fudge that oh, we've the got. Bailey's fudge is incredible. Which is so good. And that's a brilliant Christmas gift yeah. too. God, we are... We're all about the gifts. We're all about the gifts this year. Christmas yeah, so there's so many ideas on olivemagazine.com and in our brilliant Christmas issue too. Yeah. So we've got the recipe for the Irish cream in that issue and then online we've got how to kind of pimp up your chocolate with that yeah. Irish cream, haven't we? Yeah. Fantastic. So many ideas, Sarah. Really? I can't wait to get drinking on Christmas Day. <laughs> and I think this would work, you know, just as well on Boxing Day yeah. or New Year's Day yeah, exactly. uh, as well. If you're having any kind of celebratory feast over the Christmas period, yeah. definitely have a look at that timeline. It's so, so useful and, uh, yeah, very clever. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Please don't forget to go and review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on items in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our packed new Christmas issue now from newsagents or download the app version. We're taking a little break for Christmas, but we'll be back in the new year with more podcasts. Thanks for listening.